Two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. This is The Lighthouse. Welcome to Movie Time Machine, Monster Closet Edition, your retro movie review podcast where we live the nightmares from the past and survive them in the present. This week's movie is The Lighthouse, directed by Robert Eggers, released on, Oct- released on October 18th, 2019. The movie is written by Robert and Max Eggers, starring William Defoe and Robert Pattinson. But before we get into our movie discussion, let's do some introductions and let you know who's on the show today. I'm your Time Machine host, Chad, and joining me today is our horror expert on the movie Time Machine, inventor of the monster closet, Jamie. How's it going? Oh, you flatter me. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, Chad. How are you? Good, good. So like we usually do before we get into our movie topic of the week, um, I like to do our little icebreakers here, get the conversation going. So... Um, yeah, what 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 have you been up to this last week? What have you been watching? You been playing anything? I know you got a switch lately. I did. Um, yeah. yeah. Shout out to brother Sean. He gifted me a switch, which arrived in the mail. Um, and yeah, I've been kind of digging in this week when I can. It's been a busy work week, which is kind of cramping my gaming style. But nevertheless, <laughs> <laughs> I did manage to squeeze in some Mario Kart. That was the first game I bought because they were. All sold out of Animal Crossing, tragically. <clears throat> um, but digital I, version. Yeah, that's true. I'm. I still can't kick my uh, physical media. Yeah, I'm there with habits. That. Die hard. Yeah. Have you switched? Have you transitioned to digital? Slow. You know what I do is like I'm the. I do like the physical copy portion of it. But mm-hmm. then it's like after like having to put the disc in and take the disc out or put the cartridge in or take the cartridge out. I'm just like, man, I should have just bought it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just should have just bought the bit digital copy. And like so much of that now is, you know, if there's like any updates, um, it's like that stuff isn't going to be kept on the disc anyway. It's all has all has to be backed up like on like the hard drive or like, your you know, like your fire file or whatever that's on that system. So it's just like, ah just get it digital but right i, I know it's that i feel like <laughs> that's the one of the things i'm i'm kind of old school with i like getting like physical copies of movies because those like you know we've kind of seen that before i think we've talked about that before all things on like dvd like can change whether it's like rights to <clears throat> like music or something will be blurred out in the background on a different version or like scenes completely taking out or Right. So like movies, I still like that. But yeah, I think with games, I think I need to just finally, I feel like mostly now I'm, I'm mostly digital. So yeah, I think that's a fair point. It's, I, I, we may have talked about this before too, but it's, it's like the argument Star Wars fans have for the VHS collection with like, yes. no no Hayden yep. Christensen added in and the extra effects for the, yes from the new trilogy into the, old trilogy yeah so i i guess that's where i come down is if there's a version of a movie that i like i like having that physical copy so that i can watch that version because i don't know i think something should be final not everything but something should 
Right. Yeah. Or and sometimes without warning, <clears throat> iTunes will just cancel your account and you'll lose all your music that you bought that's not really your music because they canceled your account. So sometimes that happens too. <laughs> Did this happen to you? Yeah, it was I think it was when they transitioned their platform or something happened. But yeah, I just I got an email that pretty much said, Hey, so iTunes in its current form is going away. This was a couple years ago though. Oh, is this when they transitioned to Apple Music? Yep, that was the one. Yeah. So Ooh. like sorry about your luck. Thanks for the money. <laughs> Love Apple. Yeah. <laughs> oh fun. Yeah. I know. That goes <laughs> That's that's like uh, mu- the music industry, like com- coming back after, you know, that all started with the Napster debacle. Right. And that's that's <laughs> that one ends up to like then you actually start buying stuff and then other owners of digital media to take it back, <laughs> take it back again. The Napster uh, strikes back. Just, I know. Right. They're just continuing just to make us like pay multiple times for the same thing that we've already owned. Right. <laughs> Cool, so you have Mario Kart. I have Mario Kart 2, so that means that we need to get a gigantic Mario Kart tournament going I would, some evening. So. Yeah, I would love that. And that's one thing, too. It seems like Nintendo kept their... They they keep their integrity. Like You can game online, but I don't know. I just feel like people who buy Nintendo products are a different breed than like your Call of Duty, Um, you know that crowd yeah yeah am i making sense yeah it's just are you talking about like the quality of um like server yeah like integrity and stuff like that yeah my experience of it with it's been really good though okay i think we've done it twice so like there's been a couple of times where we, we've gotten kicked out but that happens i've had that happen like with any console console game true any system so i feel like for the most part it's been pretty flawless so Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to any multiplayer action. Yeah, I think maybe maybe like closer to fall when we're all like starting to hunker down for winter and we're still in um what do you call it? Pandemic mode. Yeah. <laughs> that's the new hard mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you gonna share your screenplay idea with the listeners tonight? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> Which one is that? What was it? Uh, the inf- what, what was it? The Infinite Pain 2020? Oh, 2020. 2020. Um, 2020. Yeah, but, yeah, 2020, the Infinity Pain. The Infinity Pain, that's <laughs> But you're just like, isn't that just hell? Yeah. Hell on Earth? I'm like, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, man. Well, what have you been into this week, Chad? What have I been into? been fairly busy with work again so that's keeping me busy but what i've been trying to do is i've been trying to zhuzh up my my what do you call it curb appeal on my home so after this last weekend i ripped out a tree stump i actually a collection of about uh, five tree stumps (laughs) there's like some trees that i cut um, down in front of my house last year Killed the tree stumps till nothing was growing anymore off of them. And I went to dig them up and it was a lot harder than I thought. But I was to the point of no returns. Like, I'm not going to go pay somebody now to pull these out. Like, I'm halfway there and I'm going to go for it. 
and it ended up leading to heat exhaustion last weekend. It was super hot out, super humid. Um, but yeah, anyway, fix that out. I've been taking about 30 minutes out of my day each week or each day this week just to kind of do like a little incremental like moves like, you know, covering the hole and like filling it in with some mulch and stuff like that. So fun stuff as a homeowner, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got to drink your fluids. <laughs> Should we do a PSA for the kids to drink their? Yes, it's very yes, it's very important to stay hydrated, especially in the heat, and to make sure that you're taking breaks. <laughs> <laughs> because if you're someone like me that once you get started on something, you don't stop because you're bound and determined and have, you know, uh, if you're stubborn like me, um, you're just going to keep on working at it until it's over, which means that you're pushing yourself to possible heat stroke. So yeah, stay hydrated, take breaks. Don't, <laughs> don't let the tree stump you. No, that's right. <laughs> waka waka. All right, cool. Do you, let's get started with the topic of the week. This week's movie, The Lighthouse. This is the second movie that we've done covering Robert Eggers in our director series. And this is only a second movie which came out in October 2019. So fairly recent, probably the most recent film that we've covered on Movie Time Machine. So mm-hmm. not so retro. Again, uh, Robert Eggers, director, is written by Robert and his brother, Max Eggers. And the mu- music was, and the music was done by Mark Coven. Music was done by Mark Coven, who also did the soundtrack and score for The Witch as well. Incredible conductor. Yeah. music oh. maker yes yes completely like that's the vibe and the, the emotion of of both of those films that we've watched so far mm-hmm. and the stars of this film and pretty much the only real actors i would say you get for a majority of this film is robert pattinson and william defoe which is probably one of my might be one of my my favorite part performances from both of these actors, and I think that's really saying a lot with uh, the history that you know you have with Willem Dafoe, and I think a lot of great movies that he's been in, not necessarily been the star of, but yeah, yeah. Had, would... so... What's up? Sorry, I cut you off. I was just jumping in to say that, like. I don't think I think most people feel that Pattinson is a good actor. He's, you know, left that twilight life behind him. And I I don't know. Do you get that vibe that like most people are aware that he actually has some swagger? Yeah, I think he's finally shook it now because he is in the new Batman. He's in Tenet and he's kind of he's showing like this, these variety or complexities of different roles that he can play and i I can't remember what else i've seen him in recently too that he was he was in a movie it was god was it 2016 have you heard of the lost city of z no that's i've seen that though i think like maybe scrolling through netflix or something like that but yeah if you have the time i i recommend it's a period piece it's like Oh, I want to say 1800s England. He plays um, an explorer, one of, I think, four on this team to find the um, city of El Dorado. And it's just kind of about um, man's attempt to, you know, search for meaning. One of those. But it's it's done really well. And he's very, very good in that movie. 
that was that was I think that was a movie where I kind of did a double double check and thought, oh, all right, he's you know more than shiny vampires, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's kind of shook that that for me. Like that's not the first thing I think of now when I I see him. Yeah, cast or you know seen like in a trailer for a film. That's great. That's awesome. I think sometimes actors when you're in at that time, which was a super popular movie series to like be able to come out of that with, you know, still being able to, to play these different complex roles. So mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. So this film, let's jump into the box office. This film did or pulled in 18 million on a budget of 4 million uh, with a Metacritic score of 83%. Rotten Tomatoes critic score is 90% with a 72% audience score. And the average score on IMDb is 7.5. So let's just kick it off. What what are your thoughts on this film, Jamie? Um, so I guess my first thoughts on this film are kind of like my first thoughts on Robert Eggers. Like I'm just so grateful to have a director who seems to say I'm going to make this movie because this these are things that I think are interesting, like the Salem era witchcraft to go full horror or a lighthouse in the middle of nowhere with two guys who might be going insane. You know, there's there's not a lot of. Um, I guess if he has influences, they're harder to see because it's probably more eclectic taste, which I like it kind of means he's doing his own thing. And I just feel like he's got so much space and room to do it. And people, you know, who are paying attention want to see these movies and want to see what he's got next. So, yeah, I mean, for me, God, this movie hits every note. It's um, two guys, isolation, a job I've always kind of secretly wanted to do a little bit to yeah. <laughs> be a lighthouse operator. Um, and... It just the the weirdness and it's kind of a mystery. You're trying to figure out what's going on, which I also like. And yeah, I mean, it hits every note for me. The foghorn, the black and white. Like, I think I said this to you in our text thread when we first watched this movie. We're a little behind. We saw this like a month or two ago. Yeah, but, that's, right. <laughs> that's all right. But I, yeah, I just said, man, I feel like this movie was made for me. Yes, I remember you saying that. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, when you say the foghorn, that that the foghorn is just it's just kind of constant throughout the film. It's almost like the lighthouse is talking in a way, even though it's not directly, I guess, coming from the lighthouse. But just that that. And that's one thing I think Robert Eggers does with this films is the there's like the uniqueness of, you know, it's it's from like the score down to the, the sound effects, down to the dialect of the characters and the time that the movie is set in. Um, not that I'm really, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not scholared. I'm not <laughs> up to school on, you know, the, the history behind the dialect of it. But that's one thing. It's like almost he, he, he pulls you into that period. And for me, it's when, when you're in that high, lighthouse, when you're in like the bunks, like I can like, this may have a lot, a lot to do with um, like the, how it was filmed and like the type of film was used and 
just like when you see them and like their their beds i was like i can like i can feel like i can smell what that place would be like yeah and just how glum and just like dirty and filthy <laughs> which is kind of funny because he, he he always comes at uh robert pattinson's character William Defoe is about trying to keep that place like clean and spick and span <laughs> or whatever but the I mean, I, I like this movie, I, but I don't know why, because I don't get it at the same time. I get like, yeah. is like, is this a film about loneliness and like insanity? And, you know, like there's some there are some portions of this film that has to deal with time loss, too. Like, is it is it I'm asking you this, too, because I, I tried to watch some some videos on this to try to get some more explanation. on it. I wasn't really finding it or. I wasn't finding anything that would be that would tell me right away without watching like a half hour long video, which I just didn't have the patience for. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like what is going on? Like, is there so, you know part? Yeah, go ahead, tell me. I have a theory, and it's it's kind of hard to explain because unlike a unlike a sea tale, like moby dick or something like that like it takes place on the land so that's where it gets a little different in that regard but i think that um you know with him seeing the visions in the lighthouse and he talks about his old sailing stories and you know the mutiny or how he lost his leg or whatever and i think for sure there's an element of that old romantic i want to say like 17 1800s or whatever um i'm thinking about a specific book i read the uh in the heart of the sea it's about the nantucket whaling ship um that got it's the story of moby dick was based on like okay. this this whale just rams their boat it, like the actual whalers and they sink and they i think come out of it on three lifeboats and they're trying to reach um this i think they're trying to reach the cook islands but they get lost along the way and eventually they have to resort to cannibalism so it's just uh, it's like about man's connection with the sea and you know that eternal quest to get the whale you know i mean that was how nantucket made their industry was you know oil from these whales from these right, sperm whales right. so just kind of goes into the history of that and the economy of that and the relationship that you know these whalers had um with the creatures of the ocean and I think it's touching a little bit on that. But like I said, it feels different because they're on the land. So I don't know what to make of that. Um, and yeah, I I don't know. I think in a lot of ways, too, it's just a film about work, you know, like these. Like literally keeping the lights on, you know, that mm-hmm. turn yeah. of phrase like, yeah, what do you do? You know, you. I, I don't notice it's not sexy it's not flashy but you keep the lights on and just right and how that can make you go a little <laughs> right. crazy right i don't that's the best i got yeah because i feel like there's a point in this movie or up to a certain point in this film where i'm like okay i'm i gotta read i have a feel what's going on but the i don't know if it's like dreams or like visions the whole thing with like the mermaid like washing up on shore and the older version of um, I'm trying to think of, I need to write down the character's name so I can reference them as the Winslow 
right? That's that's uh, Robert Patton's character, right? Ephraim Winslow. Yeah. Yeah. So, Winslow, like the part where there's like the older version of him. Like. Do you remember that? The older version. Yeah, there's like a, it's like a maybe the it's later in the film and it's like I don't know if it's just like one scene, but there's like an older version of Winslow, right? He's like has like white hair. Why and don't like I the remember white this? mustache? Yeah. Is this is this after he goes into the lighthouse? Is this when he's like at the end when he's losing his mind? Or Yeah, it might be. Is that around like the same scene too with where like William Defoe's there and he's like nude right and he's like has his arm back and it's like his eyes are lit up and it's like it's shining down on Winslow and there's like another person behind Winslow and it's like an older version of himself hmm I don't remember that part <laughs> damn it I was just trying to look up if there was. Oh, while I'm looking this up, do you Google uh, Divine Inspirations, the art of... Oh, wait, that's not what it's called. Divine Inspirations, the art of the lighthouse. Divine Inspirations, the art of the lighthouse? Yeah. I'm going to try to... Is it a picture I'm looking for? Yeah, it should be like if you Google it, it should be like the first thing that comes up. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Is it like the scene with like the with the bird like the birds? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that looks like the final scene in the movie where the seagulls yeah. are coming after him. Yeah. So, so yeah. So anyway, back to like, up to the point to where, and what happens too. So there's, there's like a period where there's like there's like a time jump, right? Where the, the ship was supposed to come pick them up, mm-hmm. but there's a storm that comes, and all of a sudden there's like a two week gap. He's like, it's been two weeks, Winslow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he said that he ate all the food, and it made me think. Um, have you seen the series The Terror, at least the first season? Um, no, that's the AMC one, though, right? Give like a yeah. brief synopsis. So The Terror is based, well, it's based on a novel, the series is. But this novel is a, um, it's a fiction, but it's based on a true story. So it's the true story of these two ships. It's like The Terror, and I can't remember the name of the other ship. And they are sailing. It's like they're English ships and they're sailing um, to find the Northwest Passage through um, that's between essentially Canada and the Arctic Circle. Mm-hmm. Um, but as they're sailing, it was like this year that they sailed. So this part of the story is true is they're sailing through there and it was like late June or something like something happens where like the ice did not retreat as much or it started freezing over again. Okay. A lot sooner than it was supposed to. So these ships get stuck 
in the ice in kind of like in the middle of the Arctic circle, essentially. So it's about them trying to survive and like, what are they going to do? Are they just going to wait it out? And there's this conflict between like captains of like both ships and how they're going to approach it. Are they just going to wait it out? Are they going to try to just like, you know, get on foot to see if they can walk the land kind of, because I think they're just going to be stuck there through the entire winter. Right. And so there's a part of the show where they, they find out cause they're eating like the canned food and all the men are starting to go sick or they're having hallucinations and they're getting scurvy. I want to say, right. Or they're getting like lead poisoning or something from like the canned food. Okay. And it's driving them insane. So it was making me think like, Oh, since Winslow ate all the food and shit that's been sitting in the lighthouse, like, was this something that was driving his visions and making him go crazy? So oh, all the stuff that was happening on top of like the loneliness and the isolation that makes him drives him mad. And he eventually kills um, Defoe's character, mm-hmm. which I can't remember his name either. Is it usually what? Right. All these I think it's William Howard, right? Maybe. Thomas. Thomas W. Right? Oh, damn it. Why, when I search it on my phone, I get better? There we go. I'm already giving myself lots of editing time now. <laughs> okay. Thomas Wake. Yeah, see here on the Wikipedia has Robert Pat- Patton says as Ephraim Winslow slash Thomas Howard. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because he claims to be Winslow, but we find out later he was Thomas Howard. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I like your food theory, though, because I, I hadn't considered that. And, you know, with any other <laughs> like any other movie, I'd be like, nah, that's might be reading into it too much. But I guarantee you that's something that Eggers probably thought of just given the research. Right. And right. Care he takes. Right. So definitely. Yeah. I think it could absolutely be a factor. And but the thing with Pattinson, though, is like since you do find that out about his other job as a logger and you know, the old Winslow, then I don't know his, he becomes way less trustworthy. Right. I think, I don't know. He might be not what he seems. Yeah. I'd love, I think one of my favorite parts of this movie is when, um, William Defoe's character, Thomas Wake, starts screaming at Winslow, where he's like, Hark, Triton, Hark! And he gives that whole entire speech, mm-hmm. like the the lighthouse curse speech, is just insane. And that whole, like, how that's, that's shot and filmed. Well, not even just that scene, but the entire movie gives me vibes of, you know, like early... Um, film just in general like especially like the early like horror films 
that comes out and that comes into the the type of film stock that was used to um, film this movie which gives it the that I, I've I think I've been trying to explain this to you for a while like what like some of these scenes in this movie remind me of yeah and I just found it out like I saw something and I was like that's what it reminds me of it reminds me of the old like ethnographic like the old black and white ethnographic films of like the Nanook of the North, like that shit are just like, of, oh, um, sure. of ships coming into the Harbor, like, um, in New York and just like people coming off the ships, like all the immigrants and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, without like the, uh, you know, the, the different frame rates. So everyone's walking really fast, but just like the color of the film. Right. It really reminds me of that. And I guess it's the, type of film that they used then and they tried to mimic that in the making of the lighthouse and it has something to do with like the part of the light spectrum that the film absorbs i guess i'm probably not going to explain this right but i'm just i'm going to try to do my best where where um like reds i guess um they appear darker okay. with that older film stock so then it makes people's pores and and the imperfections in people's faces. I said probably more white people, but <laughs> just like the imperfections in the faces that give off that red, mm-hmm. it kind of makes it look more defined, even though it's a you know super old like um, film that was used. Hmm. So I think that's where you kind of get like that creepiness in this, and like how some of those older black and white films, especially these you know, think about some of those older like early horror films um they have that aesthetic i guess for me personally that that i see and that's what i really like that's used intentionally um in this film as well and it's shot in almost like that perfect square ratio as well yeah Um, it makes you wonder if he what you said about colors and faces if he had Pattinson Defoe in mind when he was making the movie like if he knew you know how how they would come off the camera yeah I don't know I these are the fun thoughts I have like how intricate do we get with the face facial features because if you I'm looking up uh her name's Valeria Caraman excuse my pronunciation but she plays the mermaid yeah and she no disrespect has a fishy face like if you look at her IMDb profile and you were to look at it, you're like, oh yeah, yeah that's you're right. You're yeah, right. that could be a mermaid. Oh yeah. I so, get it. I see it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I she's beautiful, but also kind of fishy. Right. <laughs> Something fishier. So since I was talking about like the older films and old horror, like it was like the early, you know, film era, early twenties. Mm-hmm. Did you know do you know what Edgar's next film is? Oh man, I don't. Mm-mm. he's he's going to do a remake of nosferatu oh that's right yeah yes which i'm not usually a fan of remakes but giving mm-hmm. i think his pedigree now like what we've seen just in two films makes me super excited to see what that film is going to be like did you ever see the original i have not oh man it's it's pretty great it's man it looks like it's been remade a couple times i knew about the 79 version um yeah for for a silent movie with cue cards or dialogue cards 
it is incredibly watchable. It's yeah, very odd. I'll, I watched it. I think I've seen it two or three times and I'm surprised each time because just that actor, Max Shrek, he, he looks amazing and you'd have to, because there's no special effects. Yeah. And Werner Herzog did the 79 remake Nosferatu, the vampire, which is also great. Oh, really? Yeah. It's great. I have to add that to maybe uh which one is this a symphony of horror that must be the original yes remastered cool it's on prime oh perfect the nasferatu the vampire that was the 70 remake or from the 70s yeah 1979 that was the herzog one Ooh, okay All right, yeah. that one's on Prime as well. Cool. Nice. Yeah, and the original's cool too because it's a like a nice notch in your letterboxed hat if you ever look at the movies you've watched and just yeah. be, you know, what era they were released. I guarantee you it'll probably be your oldest film on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what house did, or when did, I think the oldest film I've seen is birth of a nation oh i've still never seen that yeah did you did you have to watch that in school or did you seek that one out i seek that one out so that one came out in 1915 okay so what i did is i seek that one out um i was a huge fan of this dj or still am uh, dj spooky and he did he called it the uh, birth of a nation remix. And what he did, I went, this sounds really weird, like given the current climate, but I kind of get what he was going for. But I went to this performance where it was like birth of the birth of the nation. It was like on three huge screens and he like did his own soundtrack to it. So I get it. So he's like, you know, a black man, he's putting his own soundtrack to a birth of a nation kind of giving like the, the other the other side of the story kind of thing how birth of a nation was used to kind of um you know give rise of the clan and you know kind of cut back on reconstruction all that era. Mm-hmm. something for you to look up for if you haven't if if you're not up to uh school on that one but yeah i think that's the oldest film i've watched i so i i, I seek, searched out i seeked out that film to watch it before i went to this DJ Spooky performance, which was really cool. So, oh man, I'll have to track. Yeah, I'll have to track that down and do do some learning. All right, are there? Okay, let's see what's on here. Da, 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 da. I have to admit, I didn't really review what was on this outline much until today. Mm. Hey, that's okay. I didn't either. <laughs> All right. Do you want to? So what? What's your? So what's your general feelings on this film? Like, how do you like it compared to The Witch? Because me personally, I again, I like this movie, but I think I like it more for the like the the production of it. Again, I mm-hmm. it's not it's not as um, 
for one, I don't think it's not as terrifying to me as The Witch was, just because I feel like that one kind of drugged me in more. But again, like I said, this, like the lighthouse makes me feel like I can, I feel like I can smell the stench, <laughs> yeah. you know, of this place. And like the, this makes me think of these like lonely men. They probably have done some fucked up shit. It's probably good that they are isolated. Um, but the isolation in itself is what's driving the madness of of them in this film but then it just kind of how it ends i just didn't get is it like hallucinations or is like oh did their ship that they're originally on that it just crashed in the beginning and everything was a hallucination up to that point so it just gets me thinking of all these kind of crazy different you know it just gets my head spinning mm-hmm. so i just want to see what your opinion was on this film just for horror in general and how you would rate this um with um his first film, Edgar's first film, The Witch. So for this, um, I kind of want to classify it before, because I think we have a pretty good idea of what kind of movie The Witch is. You know, it's a it's a witch movie, but also kind of a historic, um, historic interpretation of a fairy tale. And yeah. um, have you are you have you heard of the term weird fiction or weird horror? No, I haven't. Okay, tell me in. So I think, and I'm reading mostly from Wikipedia because I didn't have a better way to define it, but um, it says weird fiction is a subgenre originated in the 19th and 20th centuries. Um, it's sometimes symbolized by the tentacle and it's tentacle is a limb type absent from most of the monsters of European folklore and Gothic fiction, but often attached to creatures created by weird fiction writers like William Hope Hodgson, M.R. James, and the big one is H.P. Lovecraft. I was so, just going to say, once you said tentacle, yep. <laughs> it made me think of Lovecraft. All right. Ding, ding, ding. So, yeah, yeah it. but it's also, um, I like this description too. Along with that, weird fiction evokes a sense of the numinous, and I had to, I had to look up that word. It's a concept derived from the Latin numen, meaning arousing spiritual or religious emotion, mysterious or awe-inspiring. So if you think of like, like Call of Cthulhu, like those okay. giant yeah. creatures from yeah. different worlds coming yeah. in here. So that's kind of what weird fiction is. Um, okay. So I would, I would throw it under that bucket of classification along with everything else we've kind of described, but yeah. So I think if I'm going for like a pure horror movie, I would go for the witch just because it's beautiful, scary, and just, just kind of, I, it rips my guts out and makes me sad you know <laughs> like if i'm if i'm in that kind of horror mood that's what i'll go for but the lighthouse is more of a movie that i would just put on and watch over and over again for fun you know it's it's got that kind of vibe for me i i, I the witch is not fun for me to watch to be clear unless i'm going for a specific horror emotion but the lighthouse i could watch it anytime cool thank thank you for informing me on that classification that makes a lot of sense so yeah um yeah because then you say like the witch like you are terrified of it so much that you don't even want to buy the dvd to have in your home yeah yeah that's yeah. <laughs> a little superstitious <laughs> like if there is evil on there i don't want it close but i'll stream it <laughs> stream the evil. oh that's awesome yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I really like this movie, but I don't like it as much as The Witch. 
but getting that classification that you give it, like saying like the weird, but weird fiction. Yeah. Weird yeah. fiction. That makes sense. Like that totally fills that bucket. <laughs> yeah. This movie does. So awesome. Well, now, I, now I want to watch it again. <laughs> right. One. I, I couldn't help but think, have you seen cabin in the woods? Yeah. Once. I mean, probably I don't remember if I saw it in a theater or like right after it came out on DVD. Okay. But you, you remember like when they're doing the prop bets and trying to figure out which creatures are going to come and get them. And there's that yeah, joke. Faintly that, like, tell me, yeah, teach me that joke that like Bradley Whitford wants it to be a merman. And, yeah. <laughs> and there's, it's kind of like a joke in the horror community that, Oh, when are we going to get a mermaid movie? You know, or like a killer mermaid movie. So I, it's kind of funny to me that we got, she's not a killer mermaid, but she's kind of spooky. Oh yeah. The screams. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That, that made me jump. That that was the moment yeah. in the film that caught me off guard and kind of scared me. Yeah. I think, um, again too, I like how there's moments, I think it's more like in the beginning of the film, like after they get dropped off on the Island and they're walking towards the lighthouse. And I like how it's the scene is, Again, I'm not like a film expert. I don't know how to to really explain this, but how it's it's the scene is the house taken. It's like everything is like really big. So you get an idea of like this. You get you get the entire lighthouse and like the everything is in one shot as they're walking up to it. Mm -hmm. And that is like for me, it's like, okay, this lighthouse is a character in itself. And then that foghorn comes in like the like pumps in. It's like, oh, this is so cool. Um, just gives you that kind of dark vibe, terror vibe. But um, I was I was gonna add one more thing to that. So in that scene too, I like too. It's in the beginning and after, right after that, it's it's like a close up of uh, Winslow and um, shit, Winslow and Travis, <laughs> Travis, <laughs> Travis, Travis, and okay, the worst like a close up of uh, Winslow and wake mm-hmm. and they're just kind of staring at the camera and that's one thing too it kind of gives me a very like ethnographic film vibe it's they're kind of looking as a ship is going away and i really like that too just kind of oh the scene where they look. first drop them off yeah then yeah. it's like it's kind of like that big huge shot of them kind of walking up to the the lighthouse it's like the entire lighthouse is in that shot as you kind of see them kind of they're really small in the frame of the picture walking up to the lighthouse and Right after that, you get kind of like the close-up scene of them as they're staring, um, as they're staring and see the the ship leaving. I really love that. Yeah, I'm with you. I I agree. That opening scene it kind of sets the sets the stage too. Yeah. Um. Cool. Should we? Do you like um do you want to talk about favorite scenes or anything like that? We didn't talk about movies in 2016. We I skipped that. That's my bad. Um Yeah, we can let's see now. Or we don't we don't have to do movies. We can just do favorite scenes and we can close it out from there if you want. Yeah, that's fine. Do you want to talk about uh the work? Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we can do that. 
So Jamie, one of the things that you said you really liked about this film is the working relationship <laughs> yes. with two man crews and just kind of like your personal experience. Um, did you want to share any of your stories? Or I know that offline I had kind of shared a couple of isolated work experiences. Yes. That yeah, I had too, but in mine will not top yours. Let me just say that from the outset, but I, I <laughs> and if you're not comfortable sharing, I completely understand. Um, but yeah, I, like you said, that was the first thing I thought was, um, the dynamic of this two man crew, one guy's older, one guy's younger. They have nothing in common except for this job. And even then, you know, the um defoe's character whose name we both just keep forgetting thomas wake he's <laughs> <laughs> he's been to this island before whereas Ephraim winslow um it's he's green it's his first go at it so wake has a routine he has his tasks you know it's it's pretty much his home um and it reminded me of the the best example i have is I, before my current job, I worked for a railroad and I won't say which one, but I'll say it was a major one. And I was <laughs> What's a, a railroad, What's it, right? <laughs> well, that's, and that's kind of, I'm glad you said that too. Cause that's kind of where I'm going with this is um, like the lighthouse is effectively a transportation industry, you know, yeah, as yep. much as the railroad is. So it's these, it's these under the radar jobs and industries that people have had for hundreds of years but you know you just forget that they exist and yet you know trains carry everything where they need to go across the country whether it's you know fuel food ipods people you name it like they're still doing it so yeah so every job at, at least for our railroad was a two-man crew it was the engineer and the conductor, and I was the conductor slash switchman. So there would just be, and you're on call. So I worked all hours of the day, um, but mostly at night shift because my seniority sucked because you're in a union, and that's also how life goes there. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, it just that interplay for you know your engineer could be anybody. And sometimes it was a guy I really liked and got along with well, and we had great working chemistry. And sometimes it was a guy I hated and he hated me and we still had to get the job done and go home. So there's just a, I, I don't know, a greediness to that, that I really related to and just kind of how everything goes weird in the movie. Like I worked a lot of overnights and there's like, from two to four, me and my buddies always called it the witching hour because <laughs> shit just got a little weird, you know. It's, right, right. Yeah, I can't explain it, but I, you know, I would walk a train to do an air test, and I almost tripped over a sleeping doe underneath like a grain hopper, and I shine my flashlight on her, and she just kind of looks up at me, doesn't move, just sits there, and it's like all right, like, are you going to move or get that light on my face or what? You know, just <laughs> things you don't see in the daylight. And right. yeah, if your engineer's a little crazy, then your night's a little crazy. So <laughs> to have one go completely insane, I can't imagine. But 
did you have any working experiences? Not as well. I had one. This was kind of weird, and it's not not as isolated, but at a period of time, you know, I wasn't after high school for me. I didn't do the traditional. You know, I didn't really have a career path in mind. <laughs> I was just going to work. I mean, this guy wasn't going to college. So um, I started just work. I started working at like a temp service and I was working really shitty like factory jobs. And actually, I mean, like working stuff, this is some isolation stuff. So like one was working in like a glass factory where they made these gigantic like sheets of glass and they would come out of the machine and they would be on like a conveyor belt, but it ran like there was like, imagine like an air hockey table. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was kind of like that. So like air would shoot up. So like these huge sheets of glass would come up and they were basically would almost be kind of levitating on these air. It was almost like an air hockey table and they'd come out and you have to pull them, like turn them around and send them back to this other machine. Uh huh. It was just huge and boring. And like a sheet of glass would come through like every like 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> and it was like a 12 and a half hour shifts. And you would get like two 20 minute breaks. Oh, and you would just stand there. It was like a factory. So there's no windows except for like these tiny windows at the very top. I imagine this is what it's like being like a fucking chicken. You yeah. know, <laughs> it was like this tiny sliver of light. And that was like during a winter. So you already have. You know, it's you go to work, it's dark, like pitch black. You come home, it's pitch black. So you just have that moment of the day. It's probably lunchtime, you know, because there's so little light and like the sun kind of peeks through a moment, then it disappears. <laughs> I felt like I was a prisoner. That was the only job. Like I quit that job and I left. I walked home like like two miles, just like almost in tears. <laughs> oh man! But anyway, that led to <laughs> me doing this other weird kind of odd job of where this temp agency would bus you to um, like this factory that was like, you know, half hour away, like 35 miles away or something like that. And it was just like me, like a white dude and some really racist guy from New York <laughs> and everyone else was just like migrant workers, you know? So like nobody really spoke any English or like very little English. So it was <laughs> the guy ended up, the person I ended up talking to is this fucking racist guy from New York. Well, eventually then they made it to where if you wanted to go work there, you had to just find your own ride. So I rode with this really racist guy from New York. <laughs> this guy was fucking batshit crazy. was talking about how, you know, talking about all these migrant workers. I feel like if anybody treated him like shit, be like, yeah, back in my day, anybody said anything like that to you, we just give him cement shoes and throw them in the river. <laughs> But I think the story that you're maybe trying to get to, if I want to tell or not, is that the one about the guy that I worked with that actually murdered somebody? Uh, yeah, that one was pretty wild. <laughs> so um, I worked on this sod farm and this actually this guy was really nice. He was pretty funny, but apparently he was at like a party or friend's house or something like that. Somebody did something like spanked his daughter or something got in this huge fight. So him and this other guy left. They went to this place of work and they stole some tools out of this work shed, right? Well, it ended up being like my brother's tire iron, iron that he uses. And anyway, they take this back. They use this as a weapon to kill this man. And 
so what happens one day is that we're just out on the field and you know this guy would drive like a skid loader and like the police come out with like a state trooper and like the guy like shits his pants <laughs> they arrest him out there because he fucking murdered this dude this fucking crazy but we're working on the soft field too. You usually got like one guy in a skid loader. You got like two guys on a tractor. And uh, that's about it. So, and like big, huge fields out in the middle of nowhere. But I don't know if I, I don't know if that was like, I probably didn't tell that in the most entertaining fashion, but. Well, I think it just, I mean, first, first of all, I, I thought you did. That is wild. And I think, <laughs> I think it just, goes to show that certain jobs draw all kinds of people because there were definitely some looney tunes at the railroad as well but then but then you know there were the career guys who'd been there for um years and brilliant you know brilliant engineers yeah yeah smart guys but yeah like you said it's certain certain dirty jobs draw flies and yeah right I know sometimes too, it's like on the service, like, oh, maybe they're not that bad, but underneath. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the, the really racist guy from New York. I mean, he, I mean, that guy's colors, you know, those were shining through pretty quick. <laughs> right. <laughs> you read that guy a mile away. Right. But yeah, at that same job though, with uh, where I worked with the murderer, I also worked like a real um, jackass too, where we were, cause we would, I would just, I was, from like oh, 16 to 19, I did this as my summer summer job. So basically, you're just on a tractor all day. You're cutting up, you're on a tractor that's cutting up the grass, rolls them like bales of sod. And it's just you and maybe one other guy, if you're lucky, and you're just like like stacking them on pallets. And like once it's full, it drops, you throw another pallet on, and you're just stacking rolls of sod all day. And mm-hmm. again, this guy I was working with across me, really racist, and would always say racist stuff one time. And I like, snap back at him one day and he like grabbed me by the throat like the hardest chokehold ever and just like slammed me up against the wheel well of the tractor and i didn't think about it either too like you have like this machine that's on a conveyor belt that's cutting stuff and like there's no protection there so like my arm could have got caught in there but yeah pretty much like choked me for about 15 20 seconds until the guy driving stopped and he let go. Oh my but, god! <laughs> but that was the day I quit. Right. So I just left, and thankfully, my brother at the time was—he was like the mechanic out there, so he was like coming out to fix another truck. And I was like, "All right, perfect timing. I'm going home." <laughs> right. There's my ride. <laughs> well, good for you for standing up for what you believe in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good times. I just, I think given my current work environment, I don't even think anyone would believe any of these stories. Oh, <laughs> we're certainly telling. not. I'm familiar with your current work environment and <laughs> certainly not. Just like bleeps and bounds. Like it'd be almost like speaking a foreign language. Oh yeah. Far cry. <laughs> Huge disconnect with working American people. Uh, all right. Those are some great stories. Are there any other, um, any other comments you want to make on the lighthouse before we go that you want to make sure we add? I mean, this might seem a little crass, but I was really glad he threw in the, 
Robert Pattinson masturbation scene with the mermaid just beca- <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it catches you off guard when you're watching it. But then I, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? It's two guys on a rock for months. If that's not in there, then the movie doesn't make sense. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, like if he didn't show that scene, then he would be more full of it. Right. <laughs> So. I know when he pulls that idol out of the mattress too. Uh huh. Like what's I'm trying to think of the sequence of this events now. There's the hole, right? Yep. And he pulls out a wad of. <laughs> it looks like this is my. I mean, I'll cut this out if it sounds too gross. But I'm like, is that like pubic hair? <laughs> That's what it looks like. And then, right? <laughs> and then he pulls like the doll out. Well. I think or, you, I think you just solved the riddle. So it's a hole in the mattress with pubic hair with the idol that's being used for a certain thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, is he on his bed then? Is that when that whole like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't. My, it's just where my head just starts racing. I was like, I don't think I have the, the uh, vocabulary to even like try to explain what i'm thinking right now but (laughs) this is you know the the thing is too like with robert eggers like beyond if you really want to get more into it there's lots of interviews with him i think to watch and agreed yeah he has a couple good reddit amas that are super informative yeah Uh, all right i've just heard a knocking on the ceiling but I think that was wasn't intentional. Oh, <laughs> uh oh. All right, cool. Yeah, it's great. A cool film. I mean, I still don't know how I feel about it. I I like it, but I, again, I still don't know a lot. Know why? I do mm-hmm. love your explanation of the weird fiction, so that makes more sense. It actually makes me want to go back and watch it again. So I think currently it's still on Amazon Prime. Did you rent it from a service, or did you pick it up? Yeah, I don't have Prime, so I I rented it from Vudu. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, I might buy it. It's I I do love it. It's a great family movie, right? (laughs) Girls will love it. (laughs) All right. If you don't have anything else to add, I'll do our closing segment. I got nothing. Okay. All right, thank you for downloading this episode of Movie Time Machines. Look into the White House. If you want to leave any comments, questions, or feedback for the show, if you have anything you want to add about the Lighthouse, you can send your questions to moviemachinepod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at moviemachinepod to get the latest updates on when a new episode are dropping. Thank you very much for listening, and bye. Bye.